Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dina Verley, founder and CEO of Project Purple. And we have another interview for uh, coming to you today with a very special guest. But first, I just wanted to give you a quick update. At the time of this recording, we are rolling through marathon season and our November awareness season as well. We've had runners either running or just have finished or getting ready for races in Berlin, London, Twin Cities, Chicago, New York City, and many other events across the country. We've also had gyms and group fitness teams hosting our push-pull events and all sorts of fundraisers. And I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who is helping to spread awareness, raise funds, and help us fight for a world without pancreatic cancer. If you'd like to see how you can get involved, visit projectcripple.org and make sure to follow us wherever you go to on social media. We're on everything, even TikTok now. So feel free to follow us on all social media channels. Without further ado, let's meet our guest today coming to us all the way from Hamden, Connecticut, a local guy here. Not that not that far. That's, that's a pun here. Uh, Richard Connor, PC advocate, uh, podcast host. Welcome to the Project Purple podcast. Thank you so much, Dino. It's really a privilege and honor to be here. Well, I know it's uh we've connected, full disclosure. We connected a while back and we were kind of playing connect the dots. Um, you've been you and your family, I should say, have been active in in the pancreatic cancer community here locally in Connecticut with Pancan, another great group. And we, you know, here at this podcast, there there's there's a couple rules. Uh we can go anywhere and we don't hold back. Um, you know, there there's there's so many great groups in this space, and that's something with pancreatic cancer. Uh, the more groups that are out there promoting, raising awareness, uh, people doing positive things as you and I were talking about before we hit record here, you know, this is why we're here. We're here to share the positivity. Um, you know, this disease has, uh, has left such a negative impact on so many people's lives, um, today and, and in the past and in the future that, you know, I, I hope our goal here with the podcast is to raise positivity and regardless of what group you support or what you do, it doesn't matter. We're all in this world together to make a difference and to make a positive difference. So, so I know it's taken us a while to connect. Uh, I've had a busy schedule and, uh, I'm excited to have you on cause, uh, you turned to running and you're, you're, you got this this great idea. You started a podcast and uh, I, we'd love to hear about it. So with that, I want to pass the mic over to you to kind of share your background and, and you know what brings you to us today. And as I said, before we hit record, you can say as high level as you want. You can get as in depth as you want. And uh, with that, the microphone is yours. I appreciate that. And yeah, there's so so much for me to say. So I have to figure out where to start and where to go. But yeah, I'll start on the professional side. Uh, you know, started off my career in more of technical fields. I have an engineering degree and always aspired to become an engineer. And very early on in my career, I moved to business and took on my first marketing role. Didn't know what I was getting into, but absolutely loved it. So, you know, started off a great career in marketing and fast forward 17 years later, it's still a, a passion of mine. So, you know, I've done a, a number of things uh, throughout my career ac across a couple of different companies. Uh, previous to the company I was, I'm with now, I was in the fire and life safety industry and was in all, all forms of our marketing positions uh, in terms of new product development, product commercialization, lifecycle management. So a lot of exciting work there. And then I switched over to the medical device industry uh, where I am now. I've been here for the last six years and kind of continued my marketing career and just recently changed roles into a program leader role 
managing more operations and new product development work. But again, marketing is still kind of near and dear to my heart. So that that's a little bit about me on the professional side. And on the personal side, born and raised here in Connecticut. So we're, we're still still here. But my parents are from the Caribbean. My dad's from the Dominican Republic. My mom's from Jamaica. Somehow they made their way to the, to the U.S. and settled down in Connecticut. So I'm still trying to figure out the backstory behind that. But it's just been you know, a wonderful place to grow up and, and also raise a family. So I'm here with my wife, who, who's from Peru, and my three kids and in Hamden, Connecticut. Awesome, man. Awesome. So um, how did you get started with the podcast? Because I know, uh, you know, your your podcast, I saw an email come across, I think, or a Google hit. And um, it mentioned, you know, you were kind of getting into running. And, and I'd love to hear how you got started there. Yeah. So it actually started with running. So I'll share that story first and how it kind of led to the podcast. I started running in high school and I started running cross country. I did that for three years, sophomore through senior year. I did track for a couple of years and it was one of those sports that I really felt like I could get into. The other kind of other sports I wasn't very good at and I really wanted to do something, you know, find something that kind of keep me busy after school. So cross country was it. I uh, had a good first year right out of the gate and I just kind of stuck with it all the way through. And then after high school, you know, I didn't really run you know, through college and working full time and moving out on my own. I running, I did just as part of my workout, but didn't really enjoy it as much and really didn't take it as seriously as I did in high school. Fast forward many years later, I went back to my old high school to run their annual 5k and it was a little nostalgic kind of being back there and old memories and seeing former teachers. And it kind of got me in back into running, but not to the extent that I wanted to. I would probably train a couple of weeks before the 5K and say, I'm a runner. I'm ready to go. <laughs> but it wasn't until about four years ago, uh, I learned about obstacle course racing. And obstacle course racing... Uh, I think a lot of folks know some of the some of the big brands in obstacle course racing, like um, Tough Mudder and Spartan. But you're basically climbing over things, you're climbing under things, you're rolling through mud, you're avoiding barbed wire, you're jumping over fire. Like it's a lot of cool stuff. But you know, honestly, it was a lot of stuff that really just scared me. <laughs> I'm I'm afraid of heights. Uh, you know, I don't have a lot of upper body strength. I'm a runner, so I didn't really need yeah. a lot of upper body strength. And I felt like this was a way for me to face my fears and kind of do things that I'd never done before. And I would say obstacle course running really kind of kickstarted my love for running again, because I wanted to be good at the running piece, but also kind of learn to do the things that I'd never been able to do in my life. And that's kind of what got me into it. So I started Spartan. I think I did my first Spartan race somewhere around 2018, 2019. And since then, I've done about 10 plus races, virtual and in person, muddy races, stadium races. And then this year, I just completed my first Spartan trifecta, which is a sprint, super and a beast. So it's a 5K, 10K and half marathon distance uh, distances with obstacles. And that was really one of my key goals early on was to kind of keep challenging myself. And my coach says, okay, well, you did the first race, you did the second race. How about going all the way, go all the way to a trifecta and here we are a few years later. So that's a little bit about my running journey, but you know, I could share a little bit more about, you know, how it led to the podcast. 
So I, I got a quick question before we go there, though. Where did you do the trifecta? Because I know a little bit about Spartan. We we dabbled with them years ago, uh, pre-COVID, and they are those races are no joke. And I, I don't know. I know uh, Tough Mudder was in the space, and I think Tough Mudder has kind of evo- uh, dissolved a bit. I think I don't I don't know if they're still in or if they've been uh, incorporated. I thought Spartan may have purchased them a bit. Yeah. Um. So and and. I've done a variety of these obstacle course races throughout the years, but Spartan has always been kind of, you know, there was like levels of these obstacle course races, right? Like, and I think Spartan was always at the very top. Tough Mudder was always trying to catch them, I guess. And then you had some other fringe ones or regional ones underneath them. Uh, but the Spartan ones typically are pretty uh, intense, uh, I guess is probably the best term to use in terms of, you know, the obstacles, the courses, um, some, a lot of their courses are, you know, in this part of the country are at various ski resorts, uh, which you have elevation gain, you know, I mean, you're talking thousand feet, you know, from bottom to top. So did you, when you did your Trivecta, did you do it up in Vermont or did you do it locally here in the tri-state area? Yeah. I, so all of them were local. So I have to think about where I did each of the races as we're talking through this, but you're absolutely right. Spartan is pretty intense, probably compared to some of the others. I haven't done the others, but so this is all hearsay, I guess, uh, based on what I've, I've heard from other runners, but you know, Spartan, I love Spartan's mission. I know, I love how they're trying to help people get off the couch and get moving, do the things that they've never done before, kind of take control of the health and fitness. And I love all of those things. And, you know, I would say that the, um, let me think about it. So this, the sprint, so the sprint I did in New York, so it was Bethel Woods. Yep. The super I did in Loudoun, New Hampshire at the Indy 500 Speedway, which is pretty cool. And then the beast was at Vernon, New Jersey, uh, which was on the mountain. So so like you said, just the terrain can be treacherous for sure, but also, you know, the penalties. So if you don't pass an obstacle, you're going to do a penalty. So historically, it was 30 burpees. Yeah. You don't pass an obstacle, 30 burpees. If you did a stadium race, they're like, all right, 15 burpees for a stadium race. Now it's 30 burpees or maybe a penalty loop. But still the penalty loops, you're you're wading through water. So yeah. you might just want to just do the obstacle correctly or pass it the first time. But yeah, so, you know, the philosophy around getting people off the couch, but they're not going to make it easy for you, right? They're going to say, well, you're going to sign up for this. You're going to do something that's intense, but you're going to be a better person when you come out on the other side of this. So it's it's been a fun experience, um, but it's been challenging, I would say. That's so awesome. I mean, I, I, I do, you know, I think you hit the nail right on the head when you said, you know, in terms of, you know, getting people off the couch, but, you know, there's a different, I think they kind of, they, they have a little bit of some, some of the magic there. And I know before we, we hit record, we were talking about the marathon magic. And I, and I think with the Spartan, you know, the magic, you know, being able not only to, you know, run these events, but to physically do those obstacles, right. Or to do 30 burpees or whatever, you know, whatever. And I remember going to my first uh, Spartan race. Um, I was like, I didn't know what the hell I was in for. <laughs> and then, you know, I left and I was like, oh my God, man, that was like really, really cool. Um, and I can see where people get the addiction. And, and we kind of left that one going, 
man, how do I get better at this? Right? Like, how do you, and again, being a runner, as you said, like runners typically don't like, we're not doing push-ups and pull-ups and stuff like that. I, I remember my first Spartan, there was like one of those monkey bar things and, you know, that I, I couldn't, you know, and I was like so defeated, but then, you know, you go through it and you're like, all right, I did that. That's pretty cool. Right. Um, but then you have that thing in the back and you're like, after you finish, you're like, oh man, like I want to get better at that. Right. You know, like how do I do that and, and work on that to, to next time, um, you know, breeze through that and not have to do 30 burpees because you can't do the monkey bars. Right. Or I, the one that always, uh, ruined me is the, uh, the spear throw. I don't know if they had that. Mm-hmm you know, yeah. into the hay bale. And I, and like that killed me all the time. Like I could never get that thing into the hay bale. Um, and I know there's technique that's involved in everything, but you know, it's just like, they have that, that magic, right. That gets those people to come back year after year after year and to continue to do these events and, and to get better and, and to, you know, get people off the couch to, like you said, face these fears, you know, whether it's heights or getting shocked, right? I think there was at one point you would, you know, have to go through like a, a course and they'd have like these little, little shocking things on them, you know, to like run through or jump over fire, or, you know, do all these, these really cool obstacles. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, what you said about, you know, kind of taking on those challenges and wanting to do better. That was me after my first race. So my first race was in Arlington, Virginia beautiful course, beautiful day. Couldn't have asked for a better day. And I'm feeling good for the first three obstacles. I, I get over these walls, I'm, I'm running, I'm feeling good. I get to about the fourth obstacle and I failed it. And as we just talked about the penalties, 30 burpees. So I do my 30 burpees and literally lost my will to live. I'm like, this is, this is crazy. I just did 30 burpees. I don't feel like I could run anymore. I'm pretty sure I'm going to fail a bunch more obstacles. So it was super, super challenging, but you know what? I finished it. And at the end of it, I was like, I could for sure do that better, but I need help. And that's when I, I got a coach and that coach has been working with me pretty for almost my entire, you know, obstacle course racing career, we'll say outside of that first race. And that's kind of what, what led me to today. That's awesome. It's awesome stuff. So how did you uh, f start the podcast? Like what was the inspiration to, uh, to get that started? Yeah. So I'm telling my story just as I'm sharing with you and your listeners here today about doing these races and doing the workouts and, you know, just feeling good about myself, just physically, you know, just getting in, getting back in shape and being able to do these things. And I got a lot of positive feedback. Folks seemed to be really interested in what I was doing and I would get asked about my races and I would share photos, which was very exciting. But on the other side of it, I, I would also hear, oh, I wish I could do that. I never could do something like that. Wow, good for you. That's that's not for me. I'm not a runner. I would hear all these things. And I'm like, you really don't know that I'm a, I'm a runner. Yes. I'm not an obstacle course racer. And for sure, I'm doing things that I've never done before. I never thought I could do. So it's one of those, if I could do it, you could do it. And I've had that in the back of my mind for a while. And I really wanted to help others, but didn't know how. So fast forward to when the pandemic happened, um, I started to run more outdoors. And I was like, you know what? I really wanted to 
help others in a way, maybe build a community. You know, we weren't seeing people in person at the time. And I was like, maybe I could build a community to share my story and just help others kind of keep moving during this pandemic. And a, and a friend of mine had mentioned, well, why don't you start a podcast? I was like, ah, I don't really, I don't know. I'm, I don't know much about podcasting. I don't know much about podcasts. But then I really thought about it. I was like, you know what? There are a lot of people with far more interesting stories than my own, I think. And a podcast, it basically enables me to share those stories. So it's just been a joy for me to, to you know, kind of start, start that podcast, bring on guests who have these amazing, amazing running journeys, and then share those with others to say, yeah, at one point I didn't do it or I didn't think I could do it. But I made that commitment or made a decision to take control of my health and fitness and start running. And it was really hard from the majority of my running journey. But look at where I am today. And being able to share that with others has been a joy. So that's really kind of what led me to start the podcast was just the opportunity to share other people's stories other than my own uh, about their running journeys to help you know inspire others to run. That's so awesome. I, I mean, you know, we... I mentioned before we were talking before we hit record and, you know, I think running is something that uh, anyone can do. Right. And, 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 you know, we mentioned, I mentioned, you know, the marathons, that's what's so I, I find so amazing. And I, I think if you go to any of these mass rest, uh, mass running events like Spartan, I mean, I remember going to Spartans. I haven't gone to one in a long time, but I think the last one I was at Mount snow, it was one of their, uh, their big events, like they had the multiple uh, races, you know, the the half marathon, the beast. I, I forget the terminology. Trifecta but weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Trifecta weekend. Right. But there were people from all walks of life, you know, in all shapes and sizes and all sorts of disabilities. And I, I think that's the one thing that's really inspiring in any running arena, right? Whether it's a marathon, a Spartan, um, sometimes you see that at 5Ks, right? Uh, locally, you know, that are, that, are, that are big enough or even some, some of the smaller ones that anyone can go out and do it uh, regardless of their disability, uh, regardless of their sex, uh, you know, regardless of their race um, and, and, and really do something positive. Um, just is so inspiring. So it, it, it's pretty wild and, and I commend you uh, for having that thought and that process, because as we said, uh, before, you know, I think that the more that we share these stories of people that are, Hey, like, Hey, you're able to do this. Like it's inspiring. It's positive. Like anyone can do this. And, and I truly believe that anyone can, can run a race, whether it's a Spartan or, um, a half marathon, a marathon, um, a 5k for that matter with the proper training, right? It's just got to get up right? We got to get, we got to get that first step. So uh, on that note, uh, let's talk about this. Like, what, what do you think? I want to, I'll put you on the spot here. What do you think is like the most important piece of, of like getting off the couch to that 5k or to whatever it could be the Spartan, it could be a 5k, it could be a half marathon marathon. Yeah. It, this is something I've actually been fascinated with and I've been studying through my interviews with, with all of my guests to understand that question because that's something I want to know and understand what motivated one person to, to do it, to do that 5K or start running versus someone else in probably a very similar situation with the very same reasons why they can't, quote unquote, can't do it 
what drives someone to do it versus the other. And, you know, I, I can't say that I've really figured it out yet. Like what, what's that moment in time where they're like, I got to do this, but what I've learned so far, at least from the guests that I brought on the show, there's usually some point in their life that's a turning point for them, whether they realize it or not. It's usually been a diagnosis. It's been a life change. Uh, divorce, they've had, you know, had children or just just some some life change around there. It's been one day they just looked and got up and looked in the mirror like, I don't want to live this way anymore, right? I, I want to make a change. So there's always been some turning point where I don't I don't know if I would call it crisis, but but something really dramatic just kind of happened in their life or went through their mind that made that they where they made the decision to to make a change. So so that's something I've been really studying and trying to learn, you know, what that is for different folks. Because what I'd love to do is help inspire people before they get to that point, before they get to that, you know, diagnosis, because there's a lot of things that, you know, could be prevented. I'm, I'm not a doctor, but you know, we, we know that there's certain lifestyle habits that kind of lead to certain conditions. And, you know, that's kind of what I'm trying to do is get ahead of that. But for a lot of the folks that have, that have come on the show and that I know have spoken to, it's usually some turning point in their life where they, they want to make that decision. And that's okay too, because I want to be here to help them take the next step because that's going to be the next barrier, right? If you figured out that you want to make a change, but you don't know how, well, what should I do? Or, can I really do that? I, you know, maybe I need coaching, maybe I need an accountability group. So, you know, I want to be there to help them with that next step to, to get them to where they want to be. So my next question then would be for those people that don't know, what, what do you think? And I, I know you just mentioned some, some great ideas there. What would be the next step? So, uh, you know, what I always talk about on the podcast is really knowing your, your why, uh, setting a goal and knowing your why. For sure, you have to have that in mind of where you want to go to. And then the next step is is really around having you know that plan. So if you've never, let's say it's running, right? If you've never run before and you're not sure if you could run, maybe just get out and walk and just time on your feet, get out and walk and just be comfortable with it. But to get to that point of running, you need a plan. So there's plenty of Couch to 5K programs and plenty of plans and, and coaches to kind of help you on that journey. But I always say kind of start with that goal and of what it is that you want to accomplish and then really, truly like write down why you want to do it and have that in front of you. Because there are days that are going to get hard, especially early on, if you've never done this before and just being able to see that goal and know why you're doing it is going to help you through that. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. I I, I think, you know, uh, my brother's an engineer and I think I just saw your engineer come out a little bit, uh, <laughs> with, with how, you know, but, but in all seriousness though, like that's so critical and so powerful because yeah, it's going to be hard, but you got to take that first step. Right. And you got to have a plan. Uh, most people who succeed in life, regardless of what they do, whether it's running or business or family or, you know, whatever they do, they have a plan, right? They know where they're going. Um, they're not just aimlessly. And, you know, I guess this is a, a little bit, I'll get on the, the, the soapbox here, you know, anyone, I, I think, you know, we're in kind of an interesting time to say the least with social media and, and how people, you know, look at these social influencers, you know, and, and I was just having this conversation with someone and they were like, oh yeah, that, that, that person, you know, what do they do? They, they make millions of dollars. Well, they're a social influencer. All they do is post to social media. 
And, you know, there, there's this segment of the population now that thinks like, well, that's all you can do and you'll make money and, you know, you open these. But I'm sure those people had a plan, right? They just didn't get there at the top. No one gets to the top. Uh, yeah, maybe there's luck and, you know, there, there's certain circumstances and things that may happen. But for the most part, 99.9% .9 of the people have a plan. Um, they stick to that plan and, and that's how they become successful, regardless of the career path, regardless of the profession. You could be a doctor, an attorney, an accountant, an engineer, you know, head of marketing. You got to have a plan, right? Um, and, and most people who are successful have a plan. And, and so anything that you want to achieve in life, it's important to have that plan. And to your point, as you said, you know, there's plenty of programs out there. You know, and, and there's plenty of coaching out there. There's accountability groups. I think that one's awesome, um, you know, because I, I, I think uh, I just speak from experience. I've been running with the same Saturday morning run group for probably like the last almost 15 years. And man, when I miss those Saturdays, if I'm not traveling, there hasn't been many that I've missed. Um, you know, because if I'm, if I'm traveling, that's one thing, if I'm out of town, but if I'm home and I'm not getting up at five o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning to go run, uh, something's up, uh, to see my running group. So I, I think that's like really critical if you can find that. I want to shift here a little bit and, and talk about, you know, your experience with pancreatic cancer. I know, um, you said you, you lost your mother-in-law to pancreatic cancer. So let's talk a little bit about that and that experience here. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so my wife's mother, well, my wife, I mentioned from Peru, so her family's from Peru and her parents usually stayed with us. They spent, spent some time in the U S um, sometimes with us, sometimes with my, my brother-in-law or my sister-in-law and back in 2015. Yeah, I think it was back at the fall around 2015. My mother-in-law wasn't feeling very well. And she was, she was here and they diagnosed her with diabetes at that time. And it was in my in-laws that were in very great shape. They, they ate well, they were very active, you know, for their age. I mean, they were incredible. Um, I always, I always tell the story that my, we took my father-in-law to, to Puerto Rico a few years ago and we went to El Morro, which, you know, is the, the old fort in San Juan. Yeah. And we went all the way to the bottom of the, of the fort you know, one level at a time, but then when it was right time to go, we had to go all the way up and he made up all those stairs. I'm the one gasping for, you know, <laughs> breath and he made up all those stairs and it was just incredible how, you know, in good health and great shape, you know, both of them were. And so it, it felt really sudden, you know, kind of in the fall of 2015 uh, when she wasn't feeling well and she was diagnosed with diabetes. And it wasn't until, you know, I want to say about three or four months later, they, they went back to Peru. They, they felt like there was time for them to go back and spend some time there. And there, they were diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Oh. And, and that was a shock. And all of us, you know, all of a sudden as well, and they're, and they're far away. So, you know, our family's here and, and they're over there. So that was hard. So, you know, I don't have a lot of the details of everything that went on, you know, when, when they were over there, but uh, I do remember thinking, I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's cancer. And, we're going to fight this, right? They're, my mother-in-law is going to fight this and she's going to get, you know, a treatment plan. And I remember I was talking to somebody about it and they're, and they looked at me when I shared the story, they looked at me like, are you kidding? Like, this is, this is very serious. And it wasn't until later on that I learned that, you know, more times than not pancreatic cancer is, is caught very late, you know, a late stage. And, 
um, survival rates are, are relatively low at that point in time. And uh, I didn't know. And I realized I knew nothing about it. And, you know, I really felt like I, I wish I knew more about it before. And I wish there was, you know, obviously, I think everybody feels this way. There's, you, you could have done more, you know, earlier on, you wish you could have seen the signs and, you know, you could have helped out. So, so it was, it was really, really hard. It was hard. Um, I, I think from there, from the time she di- was diagnosed to the time she passed was very short. She passed over the summer of, of 2016. And um, so obviously that was, that was hard for the family. Um, they all went back to Peru to be with her kind of during those final moments and and then for the services and everything. And then, you know, so that that's in a nutshell, the, the story without going into a lot of great detail, but it wasn't until the fall of that year of 2016, where, you know, we discovered pan can and we'd, we'd gone to a purple light event and we'd heard other stories about um, survivors or, or those who had lost loved ones due to pancreatic cancer. And, and that's really kind of what started it for me. I just, you know, I just really felt like this is something that people should know. There should be greater awareness about this, um, about this cancer, about the signs, about, you know, getting checked, about the resources to help um, people who have been, di- you know, patients who have been diagnosed. And that's really kind of what started me down this journey of supporting. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about this, but I've been trying to use you know, my podcast and my community as one of those avenues to, to kind of help support and raise awareness for, for pancreatic cancer. So, yeah, let's talk about that because I, I love to share that with our audience here. So, um, you know, and the, the, before we get there, I, I just want to say this one thing. I mean, I think, you know, the one thing about this disease, um, this is like our biggest challenge and this is like big picture. I think because of the statistics and because of the reality, like, uh, I think human nature, we try to avoid difficult subjects, difficult topics. And I think pancreatic cancer is one of them, right? And so people tend not to kind of like dive into it. And I, I think that's one of the struggles uh, we've, you know, I think the space as a whole has, not just us, but pancan, I'm sure too, as well, if we, you know, ask them, you know, it's just hard. Like, how do we motivate the people outside of the space? Because people inside the space get it, right? Like, we all understand it. We see it. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. you know, like- I wish I, you know, knew more about it um, myself, you know, when I was going through it with my dad, you know, that I know now. Um, but it's it's really, that's like the, the, the silver bullet in all this is like, how do you, how do we amplify the awareness outside of this pancreatic cancer community? Because we need, we need to motivate and need to get people engaged, right? Um you know, it's a numbers game to some degree. Um, when you look at cancer statistics, you know, breast cancer is a 250,000 person disease. Pancreatic cancer is like 64, 65 and change, right? So it's, you know, almost five to one. So that, that we have that one struggle because we're always fighting with other cancers in the sense of raising awareness. Um, but then also like, how do we amplify that messaging across this, the board so that the person that doesn't necessarily want to know um, or know about it knows about it, right? From the symptom standpoint or from a diagnostic standpoint or what the options are, where to go really, right? Quite frankly, even when you get this information or when you are diagnosed. So let's talk about that segue into like how you're advocating and creating awareness uh, in your community. Yeah. And I'll just touch on something that you said. Again, I wish that I even myself spent more time researching and learning more about those resources. Um, 
and just becoming aware of it because for sure beforehand I didn't know. And, you know, working, working in healthcare over the last six years, um, this, this is, you know, an area that I'm really learning and, and exploring and I'm really loving being in this field. So you think I would be on top of it, you know, I would be all over this and I, you know, but I really wasn't, and it wasn't until it was too, too late. And I don't want that for other people. So, you know, just to share a little bit about what I've done is, you know, one of the types of guests that I bring on the show um, are race organizers. And the, the reason why I do it, it's mostly for charity, charity type races. And the reason why I do it is to just kind of raise awareness of that organization kind of behind the race. So you may sign up for a race because okay, you're, you're, you're a 5k runner and you got a race that's going to be in town and it fits your schedule and you, you just want to get out there and run. But, you know, what are you really supporting? What's kind of behind it? Or maybe you don't know anything about the race. And what I found is running for causes is actually one of the ways that people get into running, yeah. which is really interesting. They may do it to support a family member or a friend and they're not a runner, but they're raising money for the organization and they're running that 5k or 10k or half marathon. Uh, in support of their friend or, or family member, which I think is truly inspiring. So, you know, I want to give more organizations that opportunity um, and, and awareness by sharing that with my community. So that that's one of the ways is to bring on guests uh, on the show to share a little bit about what's what their organization is about and what they're doing to help um, patients within, you know, kind of within that group. So that, that's one of the ways. Um, another way is running myself. So I, you know, being a runner. So I love to run five K's and support. So that's, that's something I've done and just generally advocating on social media, just sharing my story. Um, uh, I've been featured um, in stories about kind of, kind of the story I just shared here. And again, all with the idea of just raising awareness and, and making people just really stop and think about like, here are things you should look out for. Here are resources that are available to you. Here are areas that you could support, even if you're not impacted. Here are areas that you could support. So that's a little bit about how I've been trying to, to support and raise awareness. I mean, we're going on, what, six years now since my mother-in-law has passed, and this is something that I'm still very passionate about. Well, thank you for all that um, that you're doing because, you know, uh, how do I put this? Uh, and don't take offense to it. I think over time, sometimes people like lose that, right? Like, you know, after the first year, everyone's excited, motivated. And, and, and I don't mean this in a bad way. I don't think there's a, I just love when people offer to raise awareness and if they do it for a year, I love it. We embrace it. They do it for a second year. It's like awesome. Uh, but you know, life, things happen in life, right? Like people have families and then their priorities shift a little bit, right? Like, and that's like the one thing with cancer with all, and this is with all cancer diagnosis, right? Not just pancreatic cancer, but you know, you lose, we, well, first of all, we all pass away at some point. No one lives forever. At least we haven't found that, that Holy grail or, or whatever. Um, but life does come at you fast and you know, things change and jobs, kids, whatever it may be. So, uh, thank you for continuing to advocate and, and continue to, um, you know, remember your mother-in-law and continue to help raise awareness. Cause as I said before, you know, the more people, this, the, the more that this whole thing is churning, um, and the bigger that that pot becomes, 
we're gonna we're gonna find cures. Um, we're gonna we're gonna raise a lot of awareness. We're gonna find more funding. You know, people are gonna be getting diagnosed at earlier stages and have better outcomes. But we all got to kind of play that part, right? And and the more that we have, you know, people in that circle and that in that pot, you know, churning and and making noise and and raising awareness. You know, that's what we need. We need it to be exponential, you know, in terms of of the awareness. And that's probably the, you know, the biggest key to this is how much noise can we make with everyone? Um, you know, and that and that is critical. So thank you for continuing to do that and and doing, you know, all the awareness that you're doing with the podcast and and running. It's just awesome. And as I think we said, I know we said this off the air, but I think we mentioned it before too on the air. It's just awesome to see people turn like a negative, as you know, and your family know, um, you know, into such a positive, you know, for other people and to give back um, and and the positives that you've created through the podcast and through your own experience of running and, and bringing people on to share about that, to get people moving, which is awesome. Appreciate it. All right. I got a couple of questions here and then we've got one last thing and, and we're going to share where our audience can connect with you little bit of rapid fire here. If you could interview any guest on your podcast, who and why? Wow. Anybody. Um, well, yeah, there's so many, this is super hard. So you right, know, we'll do a top three then I'll give you three. three. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you uh, three. I'll give you one. I'll give you one. One that comes to mind. Uh, I actually had a similar question about a year ago, and this person was was top of mind for me. So it's an it's an actor. It's actually Denzel Washington, and the reason why is because I love I love his personality. I love his persona. I love what he brings to the movies, and I feel like how he is in the movies is how he is in real life. He come he comes at life with a lot of passion. Um, very intellectual, just just somebody that I, I would want. If I were to interview anybody, I think he would be in the top three for sure. But um, yeah, that's who comes to mind. Awesome. I love it. I love it. And I love Denzel. He, he makes great movies. And off the air, he's awesome. Uh, next question, five-year goal. Where do you see uh, your running career in five years? What accomplishments may you have? And then secondarily, where do you see the podcast? Yeah, sure. So for my running career, I'm still facing my fears. I'm still thinking about what are the things that I haven't done that I should consider doing. So I haven't made those decisions yet. But if I'm looking five years out, for sure, I think my next big step is a marathon. Uh, that That is one thing that I'd love to do, even if it's only once. And if it happens to be the New York City Marathon, that'd be cool too. But <laughs> that's that's really one of my one of my long term goals is to do that again. You know, being a cross country runner, I only ran five Ks, not this distance, not this half marathon, marathon distance. And I feel like that's that's the next step. Um, after that, my my Spartan coach is always encouraging me to do more with with Spartan. So the Spartan Ultra is the next step up for the beast, which. If the beast wasn't terrifying enough, they have an ultra and that could be in my future as well. So it's basically like running two beast races all at once. And it's just a tremendous experience. And I've seen the people who have done it and they're just really tremendous people. So that's um, that's number two. And then number three, just 
really just getting better at my running and getting faster and enjoying it along the way. And I've learned a lot about myself, at least over the last couple of years, about what I enjoy and what I don't enjoy. And I'm thinking I'm going to stay away from the things that I don't enjoy because I don't want this to become a chore. And I really want to love, continue to love what I'm doing and find those things that, that kind of, again, bring me joy. So those are probably the three things that I'm looking five years out is that marathon, uh, ultra marathon kind of distance, and then just along the way, just becoming you know better my performance and, and loving it along the way. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Uh, that last point, you know, loving the things you do. And that is something I think that, uh, takes a lot of courage sometimes, right? Because you, you got to say no sometimes too. And, and no one likes to say no, but I think that's so powerful and learning how to say no and doing the things you love, which really make you happy. But in particular, like when it comes to running, like I hated running and then my dad got diagnosed and running became so, so special to me. And that's why I wanted to give it back to so many people. But like I went for a run this morning and I was away all last week and I, I didn't run. I actually walked like one day and uh, I just didn't have the opportunity just weather wise. And I didn't have any indoor facility to run. And uh, I was like, all right, it was cold this morning here in Connecticut. It was like 22, 25 in the morning. And I don't really, as I've gotten older, Richard, I don't know how you feel, but like the, running in the winter doesn't become any easier. I think as Same. you get older, right? <laughs> Uh, as, as we were saying, like the summer was so hot, but I, you know, I'd rather take a, you know, 60, 70 degree humid morning versus, and I, I love to run in the morning. That's my, that's my jam. I don't like running after work or during the day. If I have to, I do it, but I, I like doing it early in the morning. And this morning I was like, all right, man, I just got to plan like the proper clothing. And, uh, I warmed up on the Peloton cause we got a Peloton during COVID and, uh, I was like nice and loose. That's the other thing as you get older, right? You got to stretch a little bit longer. Uh, make sure we do those, those core exercises. And uh, But I got my two miles in. That was my goal. But it was just so awesome, right? Like it was just something that I love doing, man. It's just awesome. So I, I love hearing that, you know, because that I think is like so critical. My last question here, and this is a loaded question, and then we're going to share where our audience can connect with you and, and follow your podcast and learn more about it. This relates back to... Uh, you know, your, your personal experience with your mother-in-law. It's a loaded question. There's no right or wrong, but given your experience, how do you define pancreatic cancer? What's your definition of it? Wow. Wow. I have a lot to say about pancreatic cancer. Just, wow. That is a loaded question. Um, you know, with my experience with my mother-in-law, pancreatic cancer just felt like a no-end situation. That's probably how, how I would have described it. But since learning more about it and since being more involved in, you know, organizations like yourself and yours and others, that's not the case and that doesn't have to be the case. And, you know, that's largely what I want to be able to do is to just kind of change that. Um, for others, right? So it's not a no-win situation where, you know, unfortunately it, it becomes that, especially if it's diagnosed late. So that that would be my my definition. And that's kind of my aspiration for the future. Powerful stuff. Thank you uh, for that answer. And thank you for all you're doing in the pancreatic cancer community. Like I said before, like we need more, 
You know, the more that we amplify, the more people that get involved, more people that stay involved, it's just so critical to the success. And and to your point, that's where we move this thing and, and provide hope for a lot of people, you know, battling and that will be battling. My last thing here for our audience listening at home and watching here on YouTube, where's the best place for them to learn more about your podcast, follow you, follow your running journeys and, and hear some great guests that you have on your podcast? Yeah, for sure. I appreciate that. So the name of the podcast is Inspire to Run Podcast. And you'd asked me earlier, what do I see the podcast in five years is what I'd love to hear is more and more folks from our community come to me and say, you helped me change my life. You inspired me to get off the couch and take that first step. And what we'd love to do is kind of guide them and direct them to the people that can help them, whether it's running coaches, whether it's nutritionists, whether it's that couch to 5k plan or accountability group, whatever that case is, we want to help inspire them to take the first step and then guide them through the process. So in five years, just more and more of those stories of how Inspired to Run podcast really helped them kind of take that first step. That's really what I'm looking for, regardless of the, the size of of the community, the listenership, or whatever the case is, I really just want to make sure that we're making an impact person by person on an individual basis. But yeah, so Inspire to Run podcast, the podcast is available on all major platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, you can find us on our website, inspiretorun.co. And you can find us on Instagram at Inspire to Run podcast. Awesome. Richard, thank you for all you're doing for the pancreatic cancer community and for the running community as a whole. Uh, it's been great to have you here. And uh, I look forward to following your journey uh, on your podcast. I'm going to subscribe to it and also follow you on Instagram. Thanks for it. I appreciate it. Thank you for so much for having me on the show. That's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear today, feel free to share this episode. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. Also follow us on our YouTube channel here on YouTube as well as we put our podcast up on YouTube. Thank you for listening and please be safe. Until next time, that's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. <laughs>